Welcome to season 12 of Delving Into Dance. I am Liz Lee, and this is episode four, an interview with Elizabeth Cameron Dowman. This is the second interview that Delving Into Dance has presented with Elizabeth, the first being in September 2017. The reason I wanted to talk to her on this occasion is to see how she's been coping during COVID with all of the touring that she was doing having been cancelled and she's spent her entire isolation at her stunning property Miramu out on the edge of Lake George. I caught up with her on Zoom. Wow. <laughs> yes, well I guess I go back a little bit to 2015. It's a bit further back, but that was kind of um, a big transition year for me. 2015 was the 50th anniversary of Australian Dance Theatre. It was very exciting because Miramu Dance Company, we had a project, we went to Adelaide, we combined with Gary Stewart and um, the, the current dancers from ADT, and we presented a program together in the Adelaide Festival Theatre Centre, which was fantastic. Um, and But then I came back and went, wow, you know, that's been a huge 50-year um, cycle for me um, and I'm still performing, but it's time I think of something else. And I was very lucky I got a critical path, uh, what do we call it, a, a residency um, for, it, for me as an 80-year-old, I was then, to explore, to explore what does a dancer have to offer in her 80 years? Is she still relevant and what can she still do? Um, so that was kind of the, the reason for my residency. And I had some money uh, also to bring Kenneth Spiteri, who was working in Berlin at the time, and he came out and worked with me as a dramaturg. So we spent our, our weeks playing in the studio with my dancing body and him, he prodding me for more vocal work and more acting um, aspects. And that was fantastic. And we started on a little project which eventually um, Last year, we showed um, some of the work, but it became a film about Crone. All the different aspects of the older woman in our society, um, from a mythological point of view, but also from a, a reality point of view. And that was filmed on VR. And we thought we were very <laughs> contemporary. Here is VR. You know, and now in galleries, people could go and they had these special little goggles that you wear to see the VR film. So that was all filmed um, and it would have been ready to go into art galleries this year and then COVID hit. So, um, but anyway, I still have all that, all of that wonderful material that eventually I want to put into a theatre show as well. Anyway, going back to 2015, so I had that injection of uh, starting out as an actor um, and then the following year I was pushed into applying 
for an audition that Michael Keegan Dolan had put out online for a woman between her 60s and 70s, um, an actor, um, and preferably with long white hair. <laughs> so I went, Kenneth, because Kenneth sent me the email. I said, Kenneth, that's ridiculous at my age. Remember, I'm in my 80s. At my age, to do an audition, and I don't call myself an actor yet. <laughs> I've only just begun. Um, anyway, he said, no, you must do it. And so just to appease him and to keep him quiet, I, I sent off an email to Michael, you know, saying I was 20 years older than the woman he was looking for. <laughs> and I was a choreographer and dancer and only just beginning as an actor. But and you've got <laughs> long white hair, you know. I've got long white hair. <laughs> but I live on the other side of the world, so I totally understand if you, if you cannot accept me. <laughs> And so I thought, okay, okay, I've done my duty and I've cleared all of that up. Let me get on with my life. Anyway, I didn't hear back from Michael for a very long time. Um, and, you know, I had, I dared to say to him, I know you don't say this in an audition, but I do need to know <laughs> because I have all of these other engagements. And then, of course, Michael rang and said, we want you. Oh. <laughs> so, so, of course, my heart was beating madly. And what an incredible journey that has been. That's been amazing. Even Michael, Michael thought, you know, we had a season in, in Ireland and then we went to Denmark and we had two amazing performances in the Sadler's Wells Theatre in London. And then he thought that was the end of the the show uh, that was November 2016 but no then all of these other invitations came um I mean he was he got many awards for the best production um he was listed as the um, in, in 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 the United Kingdom um one of the 10 best and then I think recently it was in the world best dance productions, um, the Swan Lake was number two. So it was one of the, it's one of those productions, it still is, so one of those productions that so many people can relate to. And it wasn't just in England and Ireland, but everywhere around the world, you know, in Germany, in Denmark, in Korea, in Hong Kong, in New Zealand, uh, you name it, we've been, we've been all over the world. And just recently, we were in America. That was last October, November. Um, we had a six-week tour um, through America and six amazing performances in New York. Um, and although I think Michael was thinking that maybe the, um, the touring was slowing down a little bit, However, we still had a performance coming up in Taiwan in February. Um, and it, I had my, my flight booked and everybody was all about to go. And then that was cancelled at the last moment. 
So, and then from then on, any other invitations that may have come up, of course, have had to be <laughs> cancelled or postponed or whatever. But nevertheless, the four-year touring of that production um, has, was an amazing experience for me um, to work with young people, to travel the world, and to have that acting and dance dance um, experience at my age has been an incredible uh, gift. Brilliant. I saw the show at Sydney Opera House. Mm. I was completely enthralled. The dancers are amazing. I really appreciated, obviously, your, your, your stunning self in it, but I also really appreciated the fact that he clearly works with the dancers that he works with regularly mm. and... Some of them are, are, are slightly older, um, the, the, the pathos, the story, the simplicity and yet the complexity of the set. And as you know, I do like birds and feathers. And Elizabeth, I am still in ecstasies of joy when I think about yes. the last 10 minutes of the show. If you haven't seen the show and you're listening in, I'm sorry. This is, this is a spoiler. But the last 10 minutes of the show and the stage just covered in feathers was just the best, one of the best things I can ever remember happening in a, in a theatre setting. Um, I felt so sorry for the cleaners afterwards or the people. In the <laughs> Seriously, there was like, there's so many feathers and I'm going, oh my God, someone has to clean this up. Having hoovered up a lot of feathers in my time, I did feel for those people who were having to do that afterwards. But my goodness, it was kind of like, if you're going to have a few feathers, no, let's just fill a stage and an auditorium and the audience are throwing them around. I just thought it was such a brilliant ending to such a very, very dark tale. Yes. It's a very dark story and told so beautifully with so many different elements. Um, so, yeah, what, what, what an incredible experience, an incredible experience. What was very exciting with Michael was that that whole interaction, the different layers of all the different art forms. You know, the musicians were a part of our whole creative process from day one uh, because that score was created. But the music musicians were in with our rehearsals. Um, the, the, the set and the lights and, you know, just everything was um, so balanced and we all interacted together so that it wasn't just the dance or just the acting, you know, from my point of view, it, it was everything and everyone involved in all those different layers. And we did as much talking about it as we did actually physically move um, on, in the, on the studio floor. So I, I really appreciated Michael for that, that he, he, he carried us along in his own creative process as well, um, you know, and dared to do outrageous things like bringing the police from, the, from Longwood where we were with the, 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 the man in the police force there who trained the dogs. Um, and he actually brought the dogs into the studio, studio one day and took their muscle, the what do you call it? The um, you know the face. The, the, yeah, <laughs> I can't think of the word. Um, 
and, and you know, and let the dog really go wild in the studio, and yet the trainer knew how to hold him back just at the right time. Um, it was frightening for us all, you know, the, the performers watching it. Um, but Michael wanted us really to have the experience of what it's like, you know, to have wild dogs um, coming at you. So and that was preparation just for about, oh, probably not even a minute, maybe it was a minute long, of three of the male dancers who had to act like dogs. Uh, and things, things like that, you know, it was, um, it was all very real. There was nothing kind of just, just imagined. Um, so I love that, that delving into the, the depth of everything um, in order to make, if you, if you like, our acting and our dancing, to make that really real. So um, I, I, that was what enjoyed me and, and it was enjoy, joyful for me. Um, but I was kind of terrified with my own acting because I felt I didn't have enough experience. Um, however, you know, Michael was, um, it was like, but you're a dancer and you just have to be real. So there's nothing, there's nothing really you have to learn. <laughs> Nevertheless, I felt very un, unconfident for a long time. Um, but it was Michael Murphy, the, the male actor, who is amazing. Um, and he guided me a lot also because we had a lot of scenes together on stage and I learned an enormous amount about acting from him as well. Um, yes, yeah, so it, it, I treasure that whole, those, that whole four years and I'm, I'm missing them all terribly um, and our touring. Uh, but we keep together on WhatsApp. We um, we send messages around, so we know where we're all up to. Yes, <laughs> good. It's interesting this whole online digital um, connection, isn't it? I was talking to someone in Edinburgh because I was due to be taking my show to Edinburgh Fringe at Dance Space this year. In fact, I would have been there now halfway through the season. And I've been talking to other friends of mine in England, but when I spoke to uh, one of my colleagues in Edinburgh and I heard this broad Scottish accent, I was like, oh, we can't fly, we can't go. It's, uh, it's quite fascinating. And speaking of which, we are actually doing this interview on Zoom because you have spent your entire isolation out at your beautiful property on Lake George at Miramu, haven't you? Yes, I have. So I can have. You tell us a little bit about what you've been doing during your days. Well, of course, I feel very blessed that I'm in such a beautiful place. Um, it's, you know, the huge wide uh, views from wherever I am in the house or now up in the yurt, which is my little workspace. Um, and to watch, to have time to actually watch the seasons day by day um, has been very special. Um, you know, I've led such a busy life over these last four years touring the world and doing different other projects. And just to have time to be at home 
was like another huge gift. And in the beginning, I guess the first two, three months, I was loving it. It was just, I never feel alone, even though I'm isolated. Um, you know, I have the trees and the, the birds and the kangaroos and the um, other animals around, and my cat, of course. <laughs> and he's loving having me at home, absolutely loving it. Um, so I really felt like it, it was a very special time just to be on my own and to, to reflect on what had happened for me over those last, particularly the last uh, four or five years. Um, so that was really good. But then I thought, Elizabeth, you've got to be creative and be doing things. And I'm not very good with technology. Um, I have a big kind of resistance to it. I'm not quite sure what that is. Um, I find it difficult even to do the Zoom in the beginning. However, I, I was reminded of my time when I, I left Australia in 19, oh, when was it, 76? Um, and then I lived in Italy for 10, 11 years. Um, and I lived like an Italian peasant. I worked on an olive grove and a, um, on another little farmland. And I loved it. I loved getting my hands dirty in the, in the earth. <clears throat> and so here I was at Miramu with all these beautiful trees which uh, we planted for the 30th anniversary. So I spent weeks weeding around those trees and making sure they were all okay. They each now have a little fence around them to keep the kangaroos from eating the new shoots when they come in the spring. Uh, and then I had to collect wood for the winter time um, and then to get someone to help me split it. Um, so yes, I've been, I've been a farmer, um, but I like that too. I mean, living close to this close to nature is why I chose to live at Miramu. I wanted to live this close to nature and have my art as well. And then there've been lots of repairs that have needed to take place. So, so that the, when we can open up again to have artists in residence, that things will work appropriately and be, be well and tidied up. And yes, I had to, I had to break down one, one little bathroom and have that rebuilt again. I've still got the builders here. So there've been all those kind of things happening. Um, the maintenance of the place, which I haven't had time to do while I was so busy with everything else. Well, this is what happens when you talk to someone who's just touring the world and being fabulous. It is such, such, such an incredibly beautiful space that you have out at Miramu. And for those, uh, for those of you listening, Miramu is about a 45-minute drive away from the centre of Canberra. It's right in the middle of the bush and it's on the, on the edges, on the edge of the incredible Lake George. And just recently, Elizabeth, I was watching again the beautiful film Wirrawa 
made yeah. by um, made by the incredible Sue Healy. And I wondered if you could just tell us a little bit about the film. Well, that came about. Oh, I have to remember. It was two thousand. 17 or 18, I'm not sure. Um, but I managed to get um, a grant from Arts ACT for a project called Contours. And this was to be, um, it was, we had two um, parts of, a, of the project. Um, one was to make a dance film and the other was to then to eventually take that material and produce it into a theatre production. But the first part of the, the first grant was for making the film. And I had two filmmakers. One was Sue Healy and the other was Grace Peng from Dance Ecology in Taiwan. Because the idea was to have um, dancers from dance ecology. There were four of them, and I had three or I had four dancers from Miramu Dance Company. So in the two films, we had the same dancers, but the the two um, film directors, one an Australian, Sue, and the other Taiwanese. And I thought in that way we could get like a different take on the landscape through different cultural um, eyes. Um, and, and that the footage that they got, and it was a very short time that we had to do all of that, the footage was absolutely stunning. And then what Sue and Grace did, each in their own way, um, each film is utterly beautiful. Um, and I was very excited because I was in Taiwan and both films were shown in a little gallery in Taipei together. Um, and, and that was a very exciting moment for me. And I know Sue's shown her film in several places as well. One day I hope we might be able to develop some of that material and it can go further as well. We, we showed it, is, this is the film that we showed at the National Film and Sound Archive for the Bold Festival. Well, yes, just so stunning. The film Crone, that can be seen, can't it? Um, we have a little trailer of it, but as yet the VR film is not yet complete because um, we, yeah, we have to show it on a VR viewer and and so I mean it's three quarters finished in the editing um, but we've halted a little bit the final editing until we can we know we can get it out um, and be seen yes that's something I want I am working on um, now in this lockdown is to take some of that film material and to build a solo program with that. You know yourself, Liz, it's so different performing for film um, and performing for theatre. Um, and as this was made first for film, it'll, it has a different process now to take that material and to build it into um, um, a choreographed work that has transitions leading from one film segment to another 
so that there's a different kind of storyline. Um, but I'm as soon as the weather is warmer, I'm back into my studio to start um, developing that into a theatre production, um, which I hope somewhere next year I'll be able to take out, and maybe the film, the film and the performance can be um, available for more people to see. That is brilliant. And while we're here, just before we close, could you just tell us a little bit about the the new masks? Yes. The work you're making with all of your masks. Yes. That's, that's something I'm developing too, and I'm very excited about that. Um, Jackie Carroll and John Nobbs visited me at Miramu here a couple of years ago. Um, and so we've reconnected. John was in Australian Dance Theatre in the 1970s, and I've known Jackie for a very long time. So I was very excited when they were here. John did several interviews of me um, and on film, and, and then Jackie said every afternoon, Elizabeth, will you come into the studio? I want to experiment with something. <laughs> And then she brought out her masks and, and asked me to play with them. Anyway, to cut a long story short, it's developed into a, um, a program that we hope to develop and present um, next year. It's um, of seven different women in, a, in very evocative and um, emotive kind of ways. Um, there's, a, there's quite a lot of humour, but there's a lot of drama as well. Um, but the other interesting thing is that Jackie has me sitting in a chair all the time. So now, imagine the restriction you have. You have to find a whole lot of movements um, just from a sitting position and then to develop seven different characters. But I I've always loved challenges, so this has been um, a very exciting uh, new work. We've, we've kind of got an outline for about four characters. We still have to start from scratch from three others, um, but I'm hoping to develop them more. But alongside, <clears throat> along, you asked me also, what have I been doing in this time? Um, it's also been time to clear up a lot of my archival material. We, as independent artists, we never have time for that. So I'm trying to, it's an, and like, like every artist, it's enormous amount of work, but I'm slowly getting on to that. But I've started doing a lot of writing as well. I think, well, if I can't physically dance, let me write about dance. Um, and let me develop my writing skills. Um, and I really enjoy that. I enjoy that whole internal journey when, when I'm sitting at the computer and writing about dance, writing about my life and my journeys. Um, and in that process, I, I found one of the more recent chapters, I call them, I wrote about my meeting with Kasuo Ono, and I've also done research around some of the Bhutto dancers. Um, and it's been fascinating to read about what, how the mask for them, um, 
how that takes that them into a much more internal space where they can be much more truthful in the movements that they do. Um, and I feel that also very much when I have the mask on, it, it changes totally <clears throat> the way my body um, reacts and, 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 and searches for movements. Um, so I'm very much in, in that internal um, improvisational um, area with, with my explorations for the mask work as well. And I hope I'll be able to share that next year. I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. So, Elizabeth, thank you so much for sharing these insights with us today. And I'm sorry we haven't been able to meet in person as yet, but I really look forward to seeing you face yeah. to face when we can. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm a little speechless. You are ever busy and ever inspirational. Love your work. And I look forward to, I look forward to talking to you again. Yes, me too. Me too very much, Liz. And all the best. Um, and let me say to everybody out there, somehow keep, keep creative. It can be in the garden. It can be in the kitchen. It, it can be wherever. But we're dancers and we can dance anywhere. Thanks for listening. You can find a list of episode notes and links on delvingintodance.com where you can also find a large archive of previous episodes, including interviews with Melanie Lane, Philip Adams, Harper Waters, Joel Bray, and Sue Healy. This project relies on listener contributions, and you can contribute to the website. It also relies on the support of the Victorian Government through Creative Victoria and the Australian Government through the Australia Council, its arts funding and advisory body.